0: was a season that saw seeds planted by a legend
2: bloom on the biggest stage possible. I still think of 2004 as part of the healing from 2001.
0: This has got to be the greatest day of my life. A season that brought out the best. We're right in the middle of this championship so we'll just see what happens in Homestead. And the worst.
2: And now they're tackling one
0: another and a fight is on in the pit area. While crowning a champion in the most suspenseful way. We dodged a huge, huge devastating proposition that would have taken us out of this championship. A racing season that was one of the most impactful in the
2: sports history there's so much going on behind the scenes in 04 but the headlines that made the sport continue i think will be 25 years from now when we're celebrating the 100th somebody will look at a a yardstick of our history and that'll 2004 is going to be on there
0: motor racing network welcomes you to nascar live presents 2004 chasing history Hello, everybody. Mike Bagley here. And on behalf of all of us at Motor Racing Network, we welcome you to our 10-week journey through one of the most interesting seasons in NASCAR. Over the next 10 episodes, you'll hear stories that you've never heard before by the drivers and crew chiefs that played a role in that historic season. You'll also hear insight and perspective from those who covered that season of racing. When this project first hit the drawing board, the primary focus was NASCAR's first ever venture into the playoffs. That change alone sent NASCAR into a new era. But there was so much more to that season than just creating a playoff format. 2004 would also see the end of Winston as the title sponsor of the Cup Series, ushering Nextel in. One of NASCAR's main manufacturers, Pontiac, had just left the garage at the end of 2003. 04 also saw the Southern 500 move to November. Labor Day weekend racing moved to Southern California. And it was also the final race at the rock and so much more to dive into beyond that but before we go through all the events of 2004 first let's get an understanding of how we got there mike helton nascar's third president oversaw the sport beginning in 1999 nascar along with the country experienced a great tragedy in 2001 ahead of the 2004
2: season mike saw an opportunity for the sport to heal i still think of 2004 as part of the healing from 2001 and there was a lot of business moves that were going on. Um, but the, the, the biggest thing now that we're coming down to the wire in the 23 season, I think, was the beginning of the playoffs.
0: How are we still healing after one? one in, in your opinion?
2: I think we were doing better, but I think there was still tension. There was still, you know, recognizing that things were missing.
0: It wasn't about what was missing. It was about who was missing. The 2001 Daytona 500 ended in tragedy as seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Dale Earnhardt crashed on the final lap of the Daytona 500 and ultimately succumbed to his injuries. After Dale's passing, NASCAR spent the next three seasons mourning the loss of one of the most important faces in the history of the sport. Jeff Burton finished 19th on that fateful day in Daytona in 2001 and through years of competing against one another, Dale and Jeff developed a friendly relationship away from the track. From those conversations bore Dale's idea for Jeff Burton to one day replace him in the number three car at Richard Childress Racing. We had spent
1: a fair amount of time together uh, at the racetrack because we spent a lot of time right next to each other in points. And so, you know, parking in the garage area by points and we were, and we talked, we st- through those times that we were so close in points, we spent a lot of time just talking. So I got to know him, you know. I got to know him, and you know, and and built a, somewhat of a of a relationship with him. Not that we were going to dinner and you know going on vacationing together, but um, you know, it's very comfortable with him, and he seemed very comfortable with me. So you know, I knew him. You know what I mean? So um, when he approached me about it, I was h- humbled to say the least.
0: Jeff grieved the loss much like the rest of the NASCAR world did and agreed with Mike Helton's sentiment that 2004 was a chance for everyone to finally heal and move forward. You don't have a tragedy like that of that
1: magnitude without it having far-reaching, you know, implications. And, and um, you know, we were, the sport was extremely popular. I mean, it was extremely popular. Um, there were a lot of things happening in the sport Um a lot of good things, a lot of controversial things, uh, and you know, yes, you're still you're still reeling. Although you know, time passes and things get better, but you're still reeling from the tra- that tragedy for sure. Um, and I think too, I think you know, the world's always changing, and and you know, Brian coming in and saying, "Where do we fit in? You know, where do we fit in in the sports landscape? Where do we?" we're exceptionally popular now. What do we got to do to make sure we're popular, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? And so there were a lot of things to look at because we were so popular, there were a lot of opportunities. And so whenever there are opportunities, those decisions that have to be made. And also, um, when you are popular, the things that aren't working well get exposed and they get talked about. So obviously, as a sport, you want the positives to be talked about. And And, uh, you know, the bigger you are, the more popular you are, the the more they talk about the negative, too. And I think some of the decisions and the changes were made uh, to deflect the negative, to build more positive and, and, and try to make the sport better.
0: So with that current of convalescence in play, the sport was starting to process one of its big changes ever, the abandoning of the traditional point system. Matt Kenseth was the model of consistency during the 03 season. Matt won the third race of that year at Las Vegas, and with posting 11 top fives and 25 top tens, Matt's results earned him the most points that season, earning him the series championship. But it didn't come without controversy. While Matt won early in that season at Las Vegas, he'd go the final 33 races of the year without a win. Despite that drought, Matt finished 90 points ahead of Jimmy Johnson, who claimed three wins on the season and a whopping 311 points ahead of Ryan Newman, who won a series-high eight races. Matt Kenseth's championship once again called into question how NASCAR crowned its champion. That offseason, the powers at NASCAR went to work to develop a new championship format, a format that wouldn't award a champion until the season finale, a format that would include a playoff comprised of 10 drivers, all contending for a championship across the 10 final races of the season. That format would be known as the chase for the Nextel Cup, or simply the chase. The chase would be a departure from what NASCAR had always known. Name a champion based on the points accumulated during the 36-race season. Many people across the sport saw this change as a reactionary move based on Matt Kenseth's 03 championship. Matt had wrapped up the title the race before the finale at Homestead. Going to a playoff format would avoid rendering that final race null and void. However, according to Mike Helton, conversations to include a playoff format for the Cup Series went back much further than that.
2: It, it had a pretty good runway on it. I know Matt feels like, and we laugh about it, or I do, and he made he me not yet, uh, that it was a reaction to him locking up before we got the last race. But we've had a lot of races or seasons locked up before the last race. It was more about a long conversation, four or five years worth of conversation, about the strategy of winning a championship as opposed to the strategy of winning a race. And so as the pendulum started going in favor of the year-round championship, what we were wanting to do is figure out how to get the pendulum back every weekend. You need to win today. And if your goal is a championship, that's fine. We want you to we want you to be that to have that as your goal, but you you need to do it every weekend, a step at a time.
0: In developing the Chase, NASCAR didn't call up on an outside consulting firm to curate the ideal championship format. The Chase was created internally,
2: but it was met with some opposition. The Chase format kind of come uh, internally, and it. Uh, it grew. I say it grew because it, it was probably not well received in the office building early on, other than some folks that were saying, well, think about it. This 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 is good for our sport. Over time, he started thinking about it, but then the the pressure of getting it done sooner than later kept building over that window. And as we went into 2002, we started kind of getting our wind back underneath us after 2001 and and the country it was getting a wind back under September 11 we started going back to saying okay what what is it that we need to do for the NASCAR delivery of its product at a racetrack and we started working on the details of what this would look like and we kind of kept a lot of it pretty quiet until right after the end of the season and then started venting it through. And it it was a tough conversation for a few days. But then Brian France said, by by the time we had left the banquet that year, he got us all together and said, let's do this for 04. And then we, we went together and went to work on putting it together.
0: Among the skeptics was Mike Helton himself, who had to be convinced that the chase was in the best interest of the sport.
2: I'll be honest with you. I was one of them that had to be convinced because I thought it was a little far out there. But then as I thought about it and as we kept talking about it and saying, well, here's how you would do that and here's what it would make important here. And, oh, by the way, we're going to do all this Against our most fierce competitor, the NFL, in order to plant our flag and save our space on the weekends. And if we're gonna run till from Valentine's Day to Thanksgiving, we've got to think first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. And this was something that we could promote and build a sport around. It would take time. We gotta do what's best. For NASCAR.
0: Mike Helton wasn't alone in needing to be convinced about the chase. NASCAR fans had become accustomed to points, not necessarily wins being what mattered. So how would NASCAR go about assuring its fans that this was
2: the right move for the future? We we simply just tried to educate everybody because we knew it wasn't going to be until you, just like you work on a game plan to see it unfold, you know that until it unfolds, you don't know what it Delivers on. But well, we had a pretty good idea. But the fans we asked and the industry that said, have y'all lost your mind? We asked, said give it a chance. Let's let's try this and see. Doesn't work, we'll go back. You know, we're we're not we're not opposed to saying, okay, it didn't work. But let's give it a chance because we think it's got merit.
0: Despite the education from NASCAR, many fans still found the new process of how NASCAR assigned its champion to be a gimmick so much so that fans and other observers of the sport began to refer to the change as the Matt Kenseth rule. It was Matt, whose championship appeared to be the impetus for the change. So how did Matt feel about the blame being placed on him?
3: I think it all depends how you look at it, right? It's all a matter of perspective. I mean, in a way, I guess I would take it as a compliment because the the point system was the same, basically, for since the beginning of NASCAR. Or pretty close to it. Maybe there's been a few changes, but for a long, long time, it was the same. And um, And if they want to give me Credit for getting it changed, or, or however you want to look at it, um, it was it was really fine with me. It really didn't. Uh, it really didn't bother me.
0: While Matt Kenseth remains unbothered by the Matt Kenseth moniker, Jeff Burton doesn't believe that it's fair to say that Matt's 0-3 championship was the only reason for the change.
1: It all gets put on Matt Kenseth dominating the year before, right? It all gets put on that. And and yeah, that was that was the tipping point. But it wasn't just that. It was the recognition that every other sport that we're competing against has that moment, has, you know, at best, at worst, a seven-game moment, at some, a one-game moment. And everyone that we're competing against has that, and we don't. And so where are we going to fit in the marketplace? Where are we going to fit with the other sports where are we going to fit with our fan base if we have four or five six years in a row of poor point battles right and you know yes the Kenseth championship pushed it over the edge but that wasn't that wasn't the only thing that made this happen
0: whether matt Kenseth is the reason behind the chase or not he's not apologizing for how he won that oh three title
3: yeah, I mean we ran really well. We we typically finish better than we ran, but we ran uh, we ran really well. We didn't break into victory lane, um, except for once that year, like you said. But um, it easily could have been like the year before that where we won five races. It's just things didn't always line up necessarily perfectly, or we didn't have the the most dominant car. I felt like all the Fords were were a little off that year, um, but I felt like my team did a did a great job of um, getting the best we could out of out of pretty much every single race. You know we had. Um, Good finishes almost all year. We had a couple problems, but, um, you know, a lot less than most people.
0: Outside of the chase, other significant changes preceded the 04 season. NASCAR said goodbye to a longtime business partner with Cup Series title sponsor Winston stepping away. From 1971 to 2003, NASCAR became synonymous with the cigarette brand. but Times were changing. Americans were becoming more conscious of the effects of using tobacco. And this created advertising restrictions for tobacco companies. These restraints forced NASCAR to evaluate how much longer the sport could be associated with one of its longest standing partners, says Mike Helton.
2: RJ Reynolds Sports Marketing Enterprise that ran all their sports marketing came to us and said, you know, we're headed in a culture shift in our in our marketplace, not the company, which but that market shift was going to change their company. And it's, and they kind of told us, okay, it's probably about time for you to think about what's next. And it was, it wasn't an unexpected conversation and they gave us plenty of runway.
0: The culture shift in the marketplace allowed NASCAR to explore new sponsorship, a search that ended with
2: Nextel. Had some great conversations with some major players. And then Nextel said we really would like to do this. Really really would like to do this. And Tim Donahue, who ran Nextel at the time uh, put out a kind of an or put up a time press to say we we can do this. And we and they were right. I mean they you know Nextel wasn't necessarily a G-Whiz bang well-known brand. But they were aggressive, they were eager to build theirs, and they used us to do it, which is the same thing R.J. Reynolds, but it was on the opposite end. R.J. Reynolds couldn't do it anywhere else, and we were lucky they picked us to do it through. And Nextel picked us to build their brand and to build their business, and it worked for both of us.
0: Winston exiting the sport meant that Matt Kenseth would be the final Winston Cup Series champion, Matt expressed his emotions to the end of a
3: 30-year-plus relationship. Certainly, um, they were there a long time, and they made a lot of NASCAR. What it was like, even when I was a kid, like you thought of it as the Winston Cup Series, right? And I mean, I realized it was cigarettes when I was a little kid, and didn't really comprehend, you know, all that necessarily. But, but that's what you thought of the series as. So, and um, all those people from R.J. Reynolds and Winston were, were so awesome. They were so great to work with. Um, uh, I remember. You know, when we won the championship the year before, like everything they did for us and in New York and like all the fun we had and uh, just how great they were to me and my family and my team and the crew and owners like everybody. They were so great. Right. Like, I mean, they were just um, they were they were really, really great. So I hated seeing them them go. Um, Nextel coming in, I think, was, um, you know, certainly a step in 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 moving the sport forward. Right. To to get a more uh, kind of a technology company, more mainstream you know, type company probably appeals to a, a, a bigger mass of people. Kind of moving it more toward the the present or the future, probably than than what they were doing.
0: The end of two thousand three also meant the end of Pontiac's involvement in NASCAR. Mike Kelton saw it as another evolution for the sport heading into the two thousand four season.
2: It, it was another evolution for us to adapt to uh, us being in the industry and the fans. Um, but there again, it's something that that the Parent company of that brand had to make a business decision on what they were going to do for their own product. So, when when General Motors made a decision that they were going to race Chevrolets in NASCAR, you had team owners that are now looking, okay, I liked being the lead dog on the Pontiac brand. Once I change this to a Chevrolet, I don't know if I can get back to the lead pack again. So, they made they had to make business decisions on which way they went and and we were we were unlucky in a way but we were fortunate in the time to have other people looking at it like dodge who was able to come in
0: with all of these off-season changes being digested the calendar page turned to february and another race season had arrived Speed week's got off to a fantastic start for Dale Earnhardt Jr. He won a qualifying race on the Thursday heading into the 500. The Budweiser
4: Chevrolet in the banking and turn number three for the final time. Tony Stewart trying to run him down distance about two car lengths, but it's Dale Earnhardt Jr. with a lead off four. Coming back to the start-finish line, Dale Earnhardt Jr. trying to make it two years in a row to win his Gatorade qualifying race. He will do
0: it as he beats Tony Stewart by nearly four car lengths. Tony Eury Jr. was the car chief for Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s Budweiser Chevrolet under the guidance of his father Tony Urie Sr., who was the crew chief for the team, Tony Jr. was very well aware of the difficulty for Junior and the rest of the team to move on from the tragedy of losing Dale Sr.
4: Oh, four we had as DEI and, and as the Bud team, we were still trying to get over, you know, losing Dale. We kind of all, you know, I, I think there was two, two years, two and a half years there where Dale Jr. didn't even know if he wanted to be a driver. You know, because I, I feel like, and you can hear it on his podcast and stuff, but he drove that race car to get his daddy's attention to like him and his dad were finally becoming like partners and then the accident happened and it was like, you know, he was like, well, why am I doing this? You know, so if you look at the O one one season, you look at the O2 season, yeah, we won like two races or so, but it wasn't until about the middle of 3 to where he was like, you know what, if I'm, if I'm going to have a career, then I got to get my act together and try to have i
0: gotta do better sunday afternoon arrived and it was time for the great american race sitting on the pole was greg biffle to his outside elliot sadler the two would lead the 43 car field to the green flag with president george w bush on the call for motor racing network
5: they're swinging up into turn number four right now, led by the Pace Car. 43 drivers chasing a purse of almost $16 million here this afternoon, but I don't think the money's on anybody's mind at this point. The thing on everybody's mind in this field this afternoon is go to Victory Lane, get the trophy, and be a winner of the Daytona 500. Pace Car about to ease off onto pit Road right now. 43 of the best stock car drivers in the world, about 1,000 feet away from the start finish line. And to call the start of the Daytona 500, the President of the United States, George Bush. Here they come to the green.
0: And they're on the way. Throughout most of the day, Tony Stewart and Dale Earnhardt Jr. were the cars to beat. But no one told Scott Wimmer that. Wimmer, a rookie. Raced the two hard all afternoon, leading five laps late into the day before Tony found the advantage on lap 176.
6: Tony Stewart and Dale Earnhardt Jr. have closed in on Scott Wimmer. They're not going to waste any time. Here comes
0: Stewart to the bottom. Wimmer up the racetrack. Tony Stewart, Dale Earnhardt Jr. change lanes. Now Wimmer blocks Stewart. Stewart now has to jump on the binders, but Wimmer again to the high side of the racetrack. Tony Stewart blows by and retakes the lead. With 25 laps left to go, Tony
3: Stewart puts Scott Wimmer in third spot because here comes Dale Earnhardt Jr. So the new leader, Tony Stewart, then Dale Earnhardt Jr., then Scott Wimmer.
0: Tony would hold off Dale Jr. and Wimmer for the next five laps, but did he have enough to hold off another challenge from Jr. with 19 to go? We have a challenge for the lead in turn one. Dale
6: Earnhardt Jr. tried it coming off turn two to the inside, couldn't get it done, tried it again in turn four, and this time it may
0: work. They're side-by-side side for the lead, coming off turn two. Tony Stewart up high, Dale Earnhardt Jr. down low. They're door-to-door, racing for the lead. Now Stewart will reach out and grab the top spot. Earnhardt falls back in line. Now rushes up against him. They almost make contact. Earnhardt back to the lead in three. Wheel to wheel, not any longer. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Top spot at
4: Daytona. Tony Stewart back to second. Kurt Busch is right there. And Scott Wimmer wants a piece
0: of the action as well.
5: Dale Jr. had said he couldn't get anybody to draft with him. He looked like he didn't need anybody right there as he's grabbed the lead away from Tony Stewart and is pulling away by two car lengths right now as they shuffle back to turn number one. 18 laps to go.
0: During the summer of 2001, months after the passing of his father at Daytona, Dale Jr. came back and won at the very same track. Many of us can still remember that mental snapshot of the celebration in the tri-oval grass. Now, two and a half years later, with 20 laps to go, Dale Jr. found himself in a position to win his first 500. Six years to the date of his father's final 500 win.
5: Tony Stewart hits the front straight away, works his way down to the line. He's got one final lap to see if he can do anything with Dale Jr. He is two car lengths back two and a half miles away from the checkered flag. They go back into turn number one Earnhardt Jr. by two car lengths as they hit turn one. Two
6: car lengths the advantage for Dale Earnhardt Jr. as he climbs the banking for the final time this afternoon. Brings the Budweiser Chevrolet to the point.
0: Right down on the yellow line. Here comes Jr. off turn two for the final time. If Tony Stewart has anything left, it's time to slap the car down on the table. So far, so good for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. breaks the draft, dives down to the inside, puts a car length between himself and Tony Stewart. Dale Earnhardt Jr. leads to turn three. Everybody on their feet in Daytona. Dale Earnhardt Jr. now with a three-car length advantage over Tony Stewart. Dale Earnhardt
4: Jr. looking for the checkers. Coming off turn four to the line to settle the Daytona 500. Dale Earnhardt Jr., pulls down to the start-finish line. He will win the 46 running of the Great American Race. It'll be his ninth super speedway victory, his second win at the World Center of Racing. DEI does it again.
0: What occurred after Junior took the checkers was incredible. And standing in victory lane, taking in the celebration, was our Winston Kelly.
3: I don't remember if I had their pit then, and you know if I would have talked to Tony Junior. But I do remember... Uh, of that win at Daytona, the 2014 win at Daytona, and when he won in 2010 in the nationwide race in a car that was a Wrangler car that was in honor of his dad going into the Hall of Fame, those were three Dale Earnhardt Jr. victory lanes at Daytona that got his emotion
6: i tell you what the Budweiser was flowing at Phoenix, but nothing like today. Dale Earnhardt,
3: Jr. You are a Daytona 500 champion. Congratulations.
4: Yeah, I can't believe it. This is awesome. What a great race. I mean It was awesome. I couldn't believe the pack got spread out like it did and uh, the more the pack got spread out The more I became worried because Tony's gonna get harder and harder to pass with less people helping me He had a great car and we worked great together all day long to try to stay toward the front and try to help each other when we could and uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy as hell to win the Daytona 500, and I'm glad I got to race my buddy Tony Stewart for the win. I'm glad Michael's okay. That was a scary-looking accident,
0: and uh, this has got to be the greatest day of my life. Tony Erie Jr. was also in on the celebration, fully understanding the emotions of the moment. Every time we go to Daytona, there's a lot of emotion.
4: You know, I've always felt like Daytona took something from us. So it was like you were going into a fight every time you walked into place. It was like you against Daytona. And, I mean, I've always done that ever since the accident. I mean, it's just like with a three Wrangler car. It was like I could have told anybody in the world, like, our two attitudes were so much to win that race. Like, it would have been hard to beat us. You know, we ended up winning it. But it was like our attitudes going into the race, it's like you go in there with so much confidence of, like, I'm the one to beat here. You know, it's kind of like walking Tom Brady, like, beat me. You know? I mean, honestly. And I think that's the way we were in 04, You know, it's like you know, here we are. Every time we went into a plate race, it's like, yep, we're the guys. See if you can beat us. You know, and that's the way we our attitudes.
0: In turns one and two that afternoon for Motor Racing Network
6: was Dave Moody. Any time an Earnhardt won, it's a big deal. Any time an Earnhardt won at Daytona or Talladega, it was an even bigger deal. But after we lost Senior. And, of course, Junior comes back in July and wins, which, you know, no Hollywood script writer would have been crazy enough to pitch that. It was it was beyond a Cinderella story. But then when we went to back, uh, back to Daytona, every time after that, it was Dale Junior and the Earnhardt legacy and can he do it? And, you know, walking out of the racetrack after the race is over, you would, you would see fans who had turned around and were coming back in from the parking lot. They had left with 20 to go, walking out to the car to get a jump on traffic. And then the word starts to see, circulate that Junior won the race. They turn around. They pivot. They, they do a 180, and they're headed back to the grandstands so they can celebrate with Junior. The heck with getting home early. We'll deal with the traffic. Junior won the
0: race. For Dale Earnhardt Jr. and so many associated with NASCAR, that Daytona 500 Triumph was a cathartic moment. A chance for him and all who loved the sport and loved his father to heal. And to Dave Moody, Junior's win also launched a legacy. It was cathartic. It was cathartic. I think for
6: all of us as as fans, I don't you know, you and I as as broadcasters, we don't have time to let ourselves kind of lapse into that emotion until at least after it's over. But for the fans and for the sport, and certainly for the Earnhardt family and for Junior, that was an amazing catharsis to to just put it all behind and say okay yet again I'm in victory lane at Daytona we've we've exercised whatever evil spirits hung over us for a while we're never going to forget that day but we've we've moved past that day and now we're
0: assembling a legacy of our own here mike helton believed 2004 was a chance for the sport to heal no one needed more healing entering that season than dale earnhardt junior and after one race he could finally begin to breathe again on the next episode of nascar live presents 2004 chasing history nascar says goodbye to a venerable track in rockingham north carolina
3: sad to see it go because i had a lot of great memories there won my first uh, ever nascar race there with the in the bush series in 98 and then like i said we wrapped up the cup championship there we won the last cup race there like it was kind of a, it was just a really neat unique racetrack i understood the the need for moving to different markets but just the racetrack itself was always a lot of fun and have a lot of great memories there
0: until then i'm mike bagley for all of us here at the motor racing network thank you for joining us on nascar live presents 2004 chasing history
3: whelan engineering a global leader in the emergency warning industry designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights white illumination lighting